Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, we are in the book of Genesis, and we are in the life of Abraham right now, so I would like you to first take your Bible and go to Galatians, the book of Galatians, and we will end up over in uh, Genesis, but we need to start here in Galatians concerning what we're going to cover about the life of Abraham, specifically the blessing of Abraham. If you've been here two Sundays in a row, you've heard me mention the blessing of Abraham, all right? And it's grandiose in the way it sounds, and it's, but it's more, we need to know what this blessing is, more than just knowing that we have it. We need to know what it is, how to operate in it, how to live in it, how to function in it. What does it mean for us? How is it relevant to our life right now? What can we do about it right now where we live? Amen? Amen. This says, Christ has redeemed us, Galatians 3.13, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, say for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon who? Say me. Say the blessing of Abraham is upon me. All right, upon Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, so this, this tells us something about that. A couple of different things here in this passage I want to pull out. One is the blessing of Abraham is not only for the Jew any longer, it's for the Gentiles who are now in Christ Jesus. It's for us who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. We believe that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and God raised him from the dead three days later. And by that, this blessing that was upon Abraham and his natural-born children at one time, exclusive from the rest of the world, now has been opened up to all of us who are in Christ. Because the way Abraham became righteous is the way we become righteous. And when we believe God like Abraham did, not only did we get the blessing of righteousness, we also get the blessing of Abraham, yes, and it's big. The blessing of Abraham is big. So we're going to go over to Genesis now, Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, and, and talk about this blessing. What is this blessing? What does it look like? Because I don't know about you, but I want, to, I, want to, I want it to be more than just me saying, I'm blessed with the blessing of Abraham, right? I don't know what the heck that means. All right. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Verse 19. And he blessed him, that is, he blessed Abraham. And this is, he's Abram at this point before his name was changed. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high. Notice how he said it. Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. And Blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he, that is Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now, the thing about this blessing that has come to us, I want to back up for just a moment, because I said I want to bring a couple of things from Galatians. The other thing is, it says that Christ became a curse so that would happen, so that that blessing would come upon you. That makes me feel like this is extremely important then, that Jesus had to die for me to get that blessing. He had to die 
for me to get that blessing. And he willingly died for me to get that blessing. You understand how important this is, how grand this is. This, this is big, just in the same way that he died for your sins. He died for your blessing. Wow. Okay. Specifically, the blessing of Abraham. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon you. Okay, now, I want to talk about three aspects of this blessing for the next few minutes. And that is the blessing of elevation. Say the blessing of elevation. The blessing of possession. And the blessing of dominion. Elevation, possession, and dominion. These, these components are part of what makes up the blessing of Abraham. It's even grander than this, but this is what we're going to talk about from this specific passage of Scripture. The priest said in verse 19, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high. Now, the phrase God most high means it's the word Elyon, E-L-Y-O-N, and it means an elevation, lofty or uppermost. You are blessed of the uppermost or the elevation God. Wow. You're no longer just Cameron Schaefer. You're a Cameron Schaefer of God Most High. Think about that. All right, why don't you just fill in the blank for a moment. Just say, I am, say your name of God Most High right now. Go ahead. What if you introduced yourself like that to people? (laughs) Hi, what's your name? I'm Eric of God Most High. Huh? We really shouldn't be too far from saying it. Hmm? I'm Eric of God Most High. Huh? You're Charlie of God Most High. And you know what Roxanne's going to say? Well, Charlie of God Most High, get the trash out. Mow the yard, Charlie of God most high. The old spouse knows how to keep you grounded, doesn't she? Or he? (laughs) That's good for us, though. This blessing of Abraham that Jesus died for you and I to have means that we have the potential then to live at the top. It's the blessing of elevation. There is no higher blessing than that of God Most High. You know, though you are in this world, the scripture says you're not of this world. You are a citizen of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You're a citizen of a kingdom that will know, that has no end. You're a citizen of a kingdom that can't be seen until it's declared. All right? It's not seen until it's declared. That's why Jesus said you need to declare it on earth as I'm getting ahead of myself. But this elevation, this elevation blessing is on you. Jesus died for you to live in this. Think about this. All right? He wants you up. He wants you living at the top. That's why the Bible declares that you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and never beneath. Huh? You're the victor. You're not the victim. All right? And the the spirit of a conqueror is on the inside of you. He has made you actually more than a conqueror. All right? It's a blessing of elevation. And here's the thing about the blessing of elevation, what it will do. It will cause you to change the way you think. It will change your thinking patterns. 
All right? If you'll just accept it into your life, accept that, hey, if God has blessed me with the blessing of elevation, I don't want to live at the bottom of the mountain. I want to be at the top. I want that reality in my life. And so God's going to help you begin to think in that realm, to think at that level. I want, to, I want to jump over. I didn't tell you this, Lisa. Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 for a moment. Everybody good? Yes. Amen. I heard a guy tell me a couple days ago, he said, I, I'm, I'd like to get a job cleaning mirrors. I could see myself doing that. John chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 1. That was Hunter Patton. Let me be the no hunter. <laughs> in six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. I've got a message I'm going to preach to you sometime about these people in this. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great message. It's not mine. I stole it. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with, all, with, was filled with the fragrance of the oil. John and Brian, can I borrow you for just a moment? Brian, if you'll just come up here and just kind of lay like this, all right? Now, back in Jesus' day, apparently, they didn't have chairs like we do didn't eat like we do. They ate like this. They gathered around a, a smorgasbord of food, and they lounged while they ate. Maybe we should get back to that. I kind of like that. So they're eating, all right? And in this room, Judas Iscariot is there. He's one of the He's the only disciple that's named there. We know the other ones are there from the other accounts, but Judas is the one that's named here. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are also named here at this supper. We also know that this supper was at a man by the name of Simon's house. All right? Simon was a Pharisee who had previously been a leper. Somewhere along the way, we don't have the account in the scriptures that Jesus healed him, but we have to assume it because he's back in society. All right? He's back in society. And there he is in the house. This is his house, Mary and Martha. Scholars believe that this Simon is the Simon that is Judas Iscariot's father. All right? And that's why it specifically names Judas instead of all the other the disciples in the room. He is, Jesus is here, and they're all sitting around. Now, everybody's here. What Jesus, who, Jesus is the guest of honor at the supper, isn't he? All right? So they're all there to honor him, but Mary takes this thing to an extreme, all right? She walks in, and here's Mary. This Mary is not contrary. <laughs> and the scripture goes on to say that she poured, she had this bottle of expensive oil, spikenard, and she pours it over the feet of Jesus, all right? Oh, so, okay, so imagine everybody's eating. At first, actually, first she came and she stood at his feet, the scripture says, and I believe it's in Luke's account, and was crying, 
All right, that's an awkward dinner setting all of a sudden, right? Just <laughs> and then she kneels down and she starts pouring this oil. And here's Judas. He gets ticked off about this because Judas, he's the treasurer. He's not only the treasurer, the scripture says he was the treasurer, he's the one who kept the money bag. But it also says he was a thief and he took from the money bag. Does he not know Jesus knows? You're stealing from Jesus' account, man. You're stupid. Peter, I can understand. You won't take from his account. He's, uh, but Jesus? Anyway, he dipped in the, you know, he stole from it. But he's an accountant, right? And I love accountants. We need accountants, especially this time of year. Hmm? April 15th is coming up real quick. We need accountants. But accountants think along these lines. What is economically efficient? All right? What is economic? And he saw that this was not efficiency. She poured out that oil on Jesus' feet, that very costly oil. And Judas said, that oil is worth 300 denarii. All right? Let me explain what denarii is. Denarius, one denarius, was paid to a man for one day's wage. All right? 300 denarii is about a year's worth of wages. All right, this is a year's salary. Now, if you include like holidays and Sabbaths and all that, it comes out to be about, about a year's worth of, of wages. All right, so 300 denarii. All right. So now, and she has just poured all of it out in one instance on, this, on Jesus' feet. So Judas says, no, 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 this is not efficient because according to my books, we could have taken that and supported 50 poor people for a solid month. This is waste. You know, other people aren't going to understand that blessing of elevation on you. They're not going to understand that your way of thinking. And they're going to criticize you. Huh? And they're going to try to correct you. They're going to try to keep you down to reality. Hmm? That's what they always try to do. Try to pull you down to where they are. That's the victim life. The victim's don't think like that. They don't think elevation, and they see somebody else elevate, and they want to pull them down. Hmm? So she's having this moment with Jesus. All she's doing is showing him her love. This is the way that she's expressing her love, and the fact that she's using costly oils tells the level of her love for Jesus. Now, we don't know. The mystery of the story is we don't really know where she got this oil. We don't know if it was something she inherited from maybe her father, or, or, or she saved up all this money and finally bought it, or that she maybe got it through other means. A wealthy man gave it to her for being here, his mistress. I don't know. We do know that she was known as a sinner at one time. All right? So she has this oil, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. So now, okay, okay, that's, it's a little awkward, but you know, it's okay, right? The scripture says that that oil filled the whole house where everyone was sitting. All right, so she pours it over, but then she does something really weird. She takes her hair, and that means she has to bend way down next to his feet, and she begins to wipe that oil all over his feet with her hair. This happened, people. Right? 
Isn't this strange? All right? And you can hear like people are trying to eat while she's crying and pouring the oil. Then you hear forks dropping when she starts doing that like, (laughs) what the heck is she doing? Now she's got this oil all over her hair. She's making a mess here. And not everybody's going to like this, the way this blessing or this elevated thinking. But Jesus is going to love it. So after Judas scolds her little situation, tries to tell her he, he has a better way of doing it, as all critics do. Jesus says, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Now, wait a second. Mary did not know Jesus was about to be buried. Mary did not know two days later, my family, he was going to be hanging on a cross. Two days later was the, was the Sabbath, or Passover, I'm sorry. Six days earlier, before the Passover, they had come into Bethany. But when you read Mark's account and Matthew's account, this, this supper took place two days before he was on that cross. Think about it. So now we find a day and a half later in the night, Jesus, actually it would be the next night. It would have been the next night when he went to trial. Okay? Jesus goes to trial. He is arrested. Judas went, go, oh, by the way, this was the event that was the last straw for Judas. After he saw this, he went and saw how he would betray Jesus, the scripture says. And you can read that, I think, in Luke's account, maybe Matthew's account. Matthew 26. And he goes in Mark 14. Anyway, for all of you note takers, I'm trying to give you as much information as I can. Uh, Where am I? Okay, so the next night he goes in... He goes into, he gets arrested, gets betrayed, gets arrested. Oh, thank you guys. I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. Let me help you up. Let me give him a big hand. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Jesus. The next, the next, and, and what did the scripture say about the oil? What did it do in the house? It filled the whole house, which means this has a strong fragrance to it, doesn't it? Imagine this. Imagine this. See, Jesus can do more with your gift of love to him, this, is, this, this, this gift that we give back to him, it elevates our whole lives. Hmm? Abraham, what did Abraham do? He responded by giving. It elevates our lives. And Jesus can do more with that gift, that expression of love, than you would ever imagine. He said she was doing it for his burial. That was not her intention. Right? So now he's got this fragrant oil on his body. The next night, he's arrested. And he is beaten. He's he is beaten with fists. He is, he is uh, beaten with the, the Roman uh, lictors, beat him with the flagellum, tore his flesh off of his body. And then they nailed him to a cross. And in all of that suffering, you have to think as Jesus is enduring such mockery and such pain that every once in a while, <sighs> somebody loves me. Just a little hint of that oil would come up and hit his nose. Somebody loves me. 
Nobody else in the room was getting what was going on. Because not everybody was elevated in their thinking. But she was right where Jesus was. Hmm? Lazarus is sitting, the scripture says. Lazarus is sitting. Judas is criticizing. Martha's busy serving. But Mary's worshiping. Okay, let's go back to Galatians. I mean, uh, Genesis. It's going to elevate your thinking. It's going to elevate your conversation, the blessing of elevation. It's going to elevate how you live your life. If you'll be determined to keep going up, here's what you'll find. That even amongst critics, if you'll be determined to have this blessing and live in this blessing, you'll turn around and see others following you. Not everybody's going to hate what you do. Hmm? Not everybody's going to hate that about you. They might initially, but when they see the product, when they see the result of that blessing, guess what? They're going to say, hey, wait a second. Now, you understand that you're born now from above. Your second birth in Christ is one that is a heavenly birth. Which means that your home, your real home is there in heaven. That's why the scripture says you're seated where? In heavenly places. All right? So if, we're, if this is where we're seated, then we need to see into our life by the Spirit. It's going to take revelation. It's going to take faith to see our life from a seated heavenly position. All right? That way you won't get caught up in what's going on here on the earth. Because here's the thing. Trouble comes, no doubt about it. Right? If you're, if you're not in trouble, you either just came out or you're going into it. Welcome to planet Earth. Huh? There it is. But if you'll look at it, but here's the thing about the trouble. What happens to trouble? It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. It's temporary. It's temporary. Hmm? It's temporary. It'll pass. Sometimes it feels like it's never going to, but it will pass. But the word of God is what sustains. The blessing of God is what sustains you through all of it. Amen. This word heavenly over uh, word in Hebrew, uh, come on, Eric, Ephesians chapter 1 where it says that uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The word heavenly means above the sky. So think about this. The sky's not the limit for you. It's above the sky. Heaven and its limitless power. It means things that take place in heaven. Now watch this. You are blessed with things that take place in heaven. Well, what takes place in heaven? Nothing but good. Nothing but good. That's what takes place in heaven. So you are right now blessed with things that take place in heaven. Wow. And it's going to take faith in God to live those things where you are right now. In that realm of the blessing of elevation. Faith is your access to all that God has for you in this way. In this blessing of elevation. 
Okay, we got to keep moving. What time is it, David? It says zero, 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 zero. I feel like I'm just starting all over every time I look at the clock. Hey, cool. I like all the nervous laughing. That blesses me. He's kidding, right? Hey, you can get up and leave anytime. like the guest preacher that went to the church and he asked the pastor, he said, uh, when do I need to be done preaching? He said, you can preach as long as you want. We all leave at noon. <laughs> Verse 19, watch this. It says, possessor of heaven and earth, the second blessing that's on you, that blessing of Abraham is the blessing of possession. Now, in this, it says that the way the priest said it was, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. It looks to be that it could be God is the possessor of heaven and earth, or you could also see it as Abraham is the possessor of heaven and earth, and you be right both ways. All right? Because later on, Abraham addressed, Abraham addressed the king of Sodom and called God the possessor of heaven and earth. All right? But they had made a covenant. Three chapters later in Genesis 17, God cuts covenant with Abraham, and in the covenant, both parties give equal share. So if God is possessor of heaven and earth, then that means Abraham now has become possessor of heaven and earth. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 4 specifically says that Abraham was the heir of the world. He inherited the world from God. Amazing. Oh, let me read that. Romans 4.13, if you're taking notes. Yes. Okay. Uh, for the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. How did he become heir of the world? He believed it. He believed what God said. You are heir of the world, Abraham. I believe that. And that's how he possessed it. He became that through faith. Are you hearing me? So since God is possessor of heaven and earth, so is Abraham. Oh, man, but Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, look what this says. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And guess what? You're heirs of the world, too. Your heirs according to the promise. This promise was not just to Abraham or to his seed through doing good things and obeying good, the law and doing the right stuff. No, it was the righteousness of faith by believing God. Huh? How many of you own the world tonight? Huh? It's yours. If you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, it's yours. The world is yours. And that means all that's in it too. You see what God wants you to have? You see what he's given you? It's a, this blessing is massive. All right? It's massive. Whatever God owns, Abraham owns. Whatever Abraham owns, you own. And let me say this to you. Your confession is your possession. Everything starts in words. All right? Abraham called himself Abraham, father of the world, before he had one child. It has to start here first. Starts in words. And you can, you can many times feel like, is this right, Jeremiah? You're living in a contradiction. You're saying one thing, but your life looks totally different. I'm healed. <laughs> Brian, I'm healed. Yep. But your body's contradicting what you're saying, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you're determined, I'm, just, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm not going to have anything less than what God has promised me. I'm healed. 
Huh? I'm blessed of God. I will possess what God tells me I can have, and he tells me I get it by my confession of faith. And I'm going to hold fast my confession of faith without wavering, because he who promises faithful. Huh? My dad used to own this horse years ago when I was a kid in southern Oklahoma, and he bought it from this guy, this kind of hippie guy from California. And, uh, so dad had trained his other horses. At this time, we maybe had half a dozen horses or so, and dad had trained his other horses. He would walk out, if he was gonna, when he was going to feed him some oats, he'd walk out from our barn, and, and he would kind of tap on that bucket, and he would whist- dad could whistle across counties. And he would whistle, and those horses would come. So we got this horse, his name was Blue. Got this horse, and dad did what he did, did what he did. He whistled, and all the other horses came, not Blue. And he'd go out there, and he'd bang on that, well, maybe he just needs to be trained. He whistled, whoosh, nothing. So finally, this guy named Paul came over to see dad and check on how things were going with Blue. And dad said, oh, man, he's good. He rides well. I mean, he, he rains easy, but I can't get him to come to me. And Paul said, really? And there's Blue standing out in the pasture. I'll never forget it. And Paul goes, Blue! And Blue looks up and comes trotting right to him. (laughs) He knows his name. (laughs) Your confession. Call that thing into your life. Call that thing. Don't beg that thing in your life. Oh, God. If you ever have done anything for me, please help me now. Lord, if you get me out of this situation, you know that wheel and deal thing we do with God from time to time? Hmm? If that guy was driving around the rainy parking lot, full parking lot, wife sent him to the store. He was already mad he had to go run an errand for her, but then he gets there and it's full and it's raining outside. So he starts driving around that parking lot and he's frustrated and finally says, all right, God, if you'll give me a spot right at the front door, I'll start going to church more often. And as he's saying this prayer, he's making the round, and a car is backing out of a front row spot. And he says, never mind, God, I found one. Pulls right in there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) confess, call those things that be not as though they were. Because faith is the substance of those things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of those things not seen. Your words are the building material for your possession. Amen. And we know, we know what God did for Abraham. He changed his name. And Abraham just started saying what God said. Even though it didn't make sense in the natural. He started calling himself the father of the world. Not having any evidence of children. You know, faith doesn't make sense. Faith can't be reasoned because faith isn't reasonable. It's not rational. Not according to our rationale. It's not careful. It's not calculating. It's not concerned about stuff. It's not considerate of these circumstances. It only attaches itself to what God has said. And that alone. There's no natural reason for Abraham to hope. He's 100 years old. Not being weak in faith. I want to read this this scripture right quick. Not being weak in faith, Romans 4.19. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was 90. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How did he give glory to God? He said what God said. He said what God said. And not only did he say it, he believed it. Huh? He was strengthened in faith. No reason to hope, yet he had hope. You're blessed today with the blessing of possession. So confess boldly and continuously what God has promised you. Believe him. Don't try to reason it out. Believe it. Confess it. Possess it. I like the way Jesus said it. Whatever things, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Isn't that powerful? What an open invitation to us. Believe you receive them and you will have them. Hmm? My religious friends hate it. They hate that verse of scripture. They want to put all kinds of caveats on all kinds. Well, Jesus, you know, come on, you're mature enough to know that Jesus didn't mean everything. He said everything. Why did he say everything then? Why did he say anything if that's not what he meant? Amen. Hmm? Get out of here, you doubter. I don't need your doubts. I don't need your unbelief in my life. I'm going after what Jesus said. Amen. Amen. He said, I can have it. I can have it. And blessed be God. We've got to finish. Can you give me five more minutes? All right. Verse 20 of Genesis 14, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. This last thing is the blessing of dominion. The blessing of dominion. Now think about this. Abraham went to war with 318 of his men. He defeated four kings. Five kings were fighting four kings. Five nations were fighting four nations, and the four nations beat the five nations. And Abraham and 318 men beat those four kings. He did what five kings couldn't do. All right? How does this guy know that he can win a battle like that when the odds are highly stacked against him? How does he know this? They weren't in his favor. But you know, these odds are calculated by men. Odds has nothing to do with your victory. You know what? You don't need good odds when you got a good God. Amen. Hmm? All you need to remember is God's on my side. Who cares what the odds are? I win. The blessing of dominion is about knowing that. God did not save you for you to simply cope with life. To have a better attitude when things go wrong. Boy, God really made me optimistic. He did not create you to lose. He made you for victory. And because of that, your enemy is no match for you. It doesn't matter the size of your trouble or how many enemies you face because God is with you. That's why Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is how you win. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. All right? It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. All right? And your faith in God. But what gives Abraham the confidence to go after these guys? One last scripture, Genesis 12, 3. God promises Abraham, this is the very first chapter we learn of Abraham's life. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The word curse here means to make light of. I will curse him who makes light of you. 
who considers you just a commoner. Who won't recognize that I'm in your life. Him who makes light of you, I will curse. So Abraham knew that. And when these armies came and they stole his nephew, remember they kidnapped his nephew and all of his family, Abraham realized they thought light of him, that they would come and steal from his, steal his family. So then he remembered what God said, apparently. Yeah. Oh, okay. God's going to make light of them who make light of me. I got this. And he proved it in warfare. 318 men cannot beat four nations in a battle unless God, that blessing of dominion, is on them. And he knew it. So when the priest said, he has delivered your enemies in your hands, you know Abraham was like, that's right. He sure did. And here's some money. Say this with me. Let's just raise our hands for a moment to the Lord. And just, let's just thank him. Say this with me. I am blessed with the blessing of Abraham. That means I'm blessed with elevation. I'm blessed with possession. And I'm blessed with dominion. And tonight, I receive that. I confess it. And I will live in it. In the name of Jesus, he has blessed me, and it cannot be reversed. I'm blessed of God most high. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm blessed with the blessing. I live the life like it is in heaven. So it is in my life. Hallelujah. And there is no circumstance. There is no devil. That can stop me. Though they come at me, they will fail. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 